right, guys, we're live. Thanks for tuning in to Tat Tuesday, episode two. I'm Michael Manfredi. And I'm Patrick Bosk. We'd like to thank everyone who listened to episode one. We just posted it yesterday. We decided on the name Tat Tuesday because we're talking about tattoos, and it will air every other Tuesday for right now. Uh, additionally, the music that we're using right now is royalty-free music that we found online. We'd like to reach out to our listeners, and if you yourself or anyone you know uh, is in a band or creates music of any kind, feel free to send it over to us. Uh, any one of our our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, email, and send a little sample over, and we'd like to feature uh, probably a different song mm-hmm. every week. If anyone likes to help, would like to help out, definitely contact us. And in addition to that, if uh, there's any artists in uh, the Orlando area, or maybe even in you know, the general Central Florida area, who uh, are you know fans of the podcast, uh, maybe like to be featured or would like any shout outs. Additionally, feel free to reach out to us, uh, get in contact with us. We uh, obviously we're only you know two episodes in, but we eventually would like to start bringing some guests on and. You know, we're always down to also meet new artists and, um, you know... We actually have one of those guests with us today. Uh, we have Brandon Negron. He's here with us. He works at Homesick with Patrick and I. So you'll probably be hearing from him uh, several times in the future on this podcast as well. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about uh, Patrick and I and how we got our start in tattooing, and what tattooing meant to us. So we're going to give Brandon the floor here for a second and, and let him talk about those topics a little bit personally. Brandon? Well, thanks for the intro, Mike. Uh, I've been at Homesick now for just under three months, and I've been tattooing professionally for just under three years now. Uh, I'd say that my style is focused mainly more around video games and anime-related items. I love doing color, and I like to make my work look almost like a CGI effect to it. So nice and smooth, real shiny looking. I got into tattooing, honestly, kind of accidentally. I never really thought I was going to do it professionally or even pursue it as a career. I was just getting tattooed one day in Orlando visiting my at the time girlfriend and I was asking the guy who was tattooing me how he got into it and he was giving me his story. I showed him some of my work and asked him how someone like me would get into it and I guess he liked my work because from there on he kind of just started coaching me and I was actually living in Houston at the time in Texas. So he gave me some coaching over the phone and told me what to get, what not to get. So that was my first, in a sense, mentor and um, like many artists do and like Mike mentioned in the first podcast I was a scratcher and I started tattooing on oranges pigskin and then myself and then I started tattooing on other people and after a while I decided to humble down and get an apprenticeship and I started that here in Orlando in 2015 at uh, Realm Tattoos and I was there for about two years and or two and a half years and my apprenticeship was pretty unconventional I was tattooing pretty much from day one Actually, I was tattooing on day one, and um, I, it was a lot of kind of learning things on my own. I wouldn't say it was a bad apprenticeship, it was just different, and I feel like it did help me become the kind of artist that I am today, which is always trying to feed and learn more, trying to grow, and uh, so I can definitely thank my mentor for that. Tattooing has definitely evolved for me. I didn't expect it to take the toll it did on me. When I first picked up the machine at home, I didn't know if I was going to do it as a hobby, something just for my friends or something just for myself, but I kind of fell in love with it right away and I wanted to learn as much as I could about it. And that being said, before I even picked up a tattoo machine, 
I learned how to build one, I learned how it worked, and I learned what made it work. And that's always been the kind of person I've been and applied that to my artwork so I can grow and become a better artist. And coming to Homesick Tattoos and seeing artists like Mike and Jessica and the way Mike presents the shops with, with the art and the gallery setting, it has pushed me a lot to want to paint and, mo and do more art on my own. And I've pushed on the different medias I like to take on. And um, coming to Homesick has honestly been a really good step in the right direction of my tattooing career. Thank you, man. I appreciate hearing that. And it's great to have you on the podcast today. How long have you been out of your apprenticeship for? Um, almost three years. My apprenticeship lasted about five months. And, uh, and I started in February of 2015 and it ended in June of 2015. And um, honestly, not much is different from my apprenticeship to my professional career I basically just kept learning on my own and pushing forward I, I think that you know I think that's a big part of what what we all do in the art industry is just to, to keep pushing forward and keep progressing and sometimes I think that opportunity uh, to progress can show up in an unexpected way and I think even bringing in a new artist like yourself into the studio I think we all change and adapt and learn a little bit and feel a little bit more motivated having a different energy around and I think the shop setting when we're all together I think it's a great a great energy and we all really feed off of each other and what I'm trying to say is it's good it's good to have you around it's 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 nice refreshing um, because it can get stagnant with the same people you know every single day so it's cool uh, it brings in you know not only you but the your clients and you know, kind of a whole different aspect to the shop as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate that, man. And uh, I know I definitely have a wacky clientele sometimes. Some extravagant characters come through the shop, so <laughs> definitely keeps things interesting. Mm -hmm. This week, we'd like to talk a little bit about our personal art styles versus our tattoo styles. And what we kind of mean by that is we each might ad adapt to or pick a style that we like the best for tattooing that we like to focus on and specialize in for me that would be black and gray realism but it's not necessarily what we like to do when we're at home sitting around drawing in our sketchbooks so today our, our main focus or, of topic is, is going to be our personal style versus our tattoo style and why maybe we prefer one style over over the other for mm -hmm. for our personal artwork versus tattooing. Pat, what uh, what kind of artwork do you like to produce personally, just for fun? Like, just when you're by yourself, I have this cool idea for a drawing or a painting, whatever. Maybe what I uh, I kind of followed a lot of different uh, artistic styles for no reason. Um, like no consecutive reason. I, I kind of just hopped around a lot when I was growing up, you know, trying to figure out what kind of paintings and designs I liked creating, uh, which had no correlation to like one another. For example, I was obsessed probably first with graffiti, you know. Yeah, we spoke about that a little yeah, bit on the, the last episode, episode. yeah. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. So, I mean, it was, you know, a, a majority of my, you know, teenage years, that was pretty much all I was producing at the time. And, with different types of media being like, you know, spray paint, paint markers, pen, pencil, Sharpie. Um, and I had given oil paints a shot and acrylics, but I didn't have a fundamental understanding of those. So it was super challenging. This is pr 
prior to YouTube being a thing. So I didn't have the availability to be able to just learn, although I could have learned, don't get me wrong, but the community that I grew up in, not pretty much no one did it, so there's not really too much uh, ability to be able to, uh, you know, educate yourself at the time. So a lot of the stuff I was doing was just stuff that I, you know, I was finding online uh, or my older cousins were doing, which is kind of how I got into it. But when I wasn't doing that, I was back at home, um, usually always, and this is more for enjoyment um, as well, was I had come up with like a lot of pop art related stuff. So as I mentioned, there wasn't really too much of a correlation between my graffiti and like my pop art designs, which are always just designs based off of you know, relevant cartoons that I've been watching at the time. Um, but for whatever reason, those are like were two things that I just loved creating. Um, I never really put them together in any way, but you know, those were definitely the two main things. And later on in life, when I did start like uh, taking a few of my first ever art classes, I like started doing, and this was just another thing that just kind of came naturally. Um, I, and it was probably because I grew up in the Florida Keys, but I, I loved drawing things that were related to islands or island associated in some way, being waves, palm trees, beaches, ships, you know, a lot of nautical themed things I'm sure you could imagine, um, obviously because of my upbringing. Um, but with that being said, and again, no correlation between me drawing tropical related things, pop art and graffiti, but that became kind of my main three focuses. So later on in my work, when I, you know, was in college and wanted to start experimenting with acrylics and other types of uh, media, I started for the first time combining a lot of these ideas. So you'd see a lot of wave or tropical related things with this pop art style to them, thick strokes, only a few you know, handfuls of color, uh, and each thing colors being you know bright, vibrant in some way. Or so you'd say your your main personal style. You really enjoy pop art and graffiti styles and things and topics dealing with water and the waves and the beach. You know, I guess to answer, yeah, to give you an actual answer this time, I would say I am obsessed with doing pop art related things, but by pop art, I guess I kind of have two different definitions. One being pop culture related, you know, things. Um, like the TV shows, the cartoon TV, TV shows, shows you're talking about. Relevant things in TV, um, the news and movies. Uh, but in addition to that, I also like the style that I guess you could maybe define as uh, pop art, at least from what I've looked at, this is all I can find, is that it's a lot of times like the way that these styles are drawn, which is a thick black stroke and not too much gradients, but rather flat colors. And to express things like shadows, it would just be a different color versus a gradient going from one color to the next. Um, and that style... And pop art, I think of Andy Warhol. That's what I think yeah. of when I hear pop art. Yeah, and so, he, he has some designs that are like that too. Absolutely, some bright, solid colors. Yeah, it pops. Uh, so maybe that's why they call it pop art. No, it's probably because of the popular culture thing, right? <laughs> I, I thought so, yeah. <laughs> I thought pop art was a style, and I didn't know it was based off of popularity. I think it has kind of like a really blanket kind of term where mm -hmm. it can be defined by a few different things. I know you and I got into that discussion yeah. before, and we had a couple of different possible explanations for it, but yeah, I don't know. What What do you like to draw, Brandon? Um, I honestly like to draw a lot of different things. I love to have a sense of realism or dimension into my drawings. So I guess you could say I like to do surrealistic things, um, especially on like the kind of creepier, darker side. Um, but I do quite enjoy drawing from life 
you know, I'll actually take a picture of something I see or something I found or I'll bring it in and I'll try to draw it or paint it, whatever I decide to do that day. Mm. Okay, that's, that's an interesting thing. I think a lot of, not a lot of, but I know several other tattoo artists who like to do that as well. They're photographers and, or they at least have a camera and they know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll take photos for reference. They'll go to a garden or to a forest and they'll, they'll actually find these animals that they want to draw or tattoo or paint. And they'll take photos of them for reference and then recreate that from the photos or use the photo directly for a realistic reference. Yeah, That's I have on my computer like a folder labeled tattoo and art related items and it different it starts to break down from animals, botany, anime, Dragon Ball, you know, and then go into like anime for example. Excuse me, and you'll find like Dragon Ball Z, and then you go into that folder, and you'll find Goku, Vegeta, Gohan, and then you go into those folders, and I'll have different things out. Like I have a shit ton of flowers and roses just on my phone. I'll shit ton of animals and different types of birds. So I actually always am looking for references to use because I like to incorporate the realistic elements into my cartoony CGI type drawings. You know, I want if I want to draw a bird that's going to be really animated, maybe even new school, I want it to make sense anatomically. So even though it could have really large wings compared to its body or really small wings compared to its body, it's still structurally correct. And it has like that sense of realism and a better sense of flow, in my opinion, when the drawings are done that way. So if you had to like recap or, or put a specific a what like name on the type of style, what, what, is, what would you call like your personal style if you had to? Uh, surrealistic. Surreal. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. How about you, by the way? Did you go into So, uh, my personal, my personal artwork, the stuff that I'm putting in my sketchbook when I'm at home by myself, it's, uh, I'd like to, I'd like to say it's probably just like a scratchy sketch style. It, I literally don't even typically go into it with a specific theme or idea sometimes I'll just put the pen to the paper and start doodling I, essentially they look like notebook doodles this, the stuff you'd see in the back of a, a middle schooler's notebook mm-hmm. and the reason that I, I feel like I've adapted to this style personally is because uh, when I'm tattooing my tattooing style is black and gray realism and I tattoo realistic images portraits flowers animals whatever it may be all day long and when it comes time to unwind and create art for myself, I really I get burnt out on doing the same, I guess the same kind of stuff that I would see every day. The same kind of stuff that I see in the tattoos that I do and in real life even. So I like to, I guess my, I would say my style is abstract. Mm-hmm. That's my personal artwork. My, all my paintings, my drawings. I do a lot of acrylic painting. Uh, I really like acrylics. They're easy to work with. They dry quickly. You can paint right over it if you want to mm-hmm. but my paintings my drawings they're abstract I push paint around on the canvas and hope that it looks cool mm-hmm. and sometimes it does sometimes it looks fucking awful <laughs> and sometimes the ones that I think look awful people love and they buy them I don't know um, so abstract abstract it lets me lets me get my emotions out more than more than trying to create a beautiful piece of art, I'm just putting my feeling into it. Yeah, have you ever uh, tattooed any abstract designs onto anyone? I've done one of my own personal designs. 
the blue background, right? It was a pink. It had a pink background on it. The original drawing was yellow, but anyway, it was just a sketchy drawing of a little horned character with a smiley face with his arms up in the air and like a bright sunburst behind it, um, all just black ink with yellow Prisma marker. And it said, I'm okay. And obviously this little character looked pretty demented. He didn't look, <laughs> he didn't look okay, but he was saying, I'm okay. He's got the smile on his face. And a client of mine who I tattooed several times while she lived here in Florida, uh, she moved away and she was back for Thanksgiving uh, last year. And she said, you know, I, I don't come back to Florida very often, maybe once a year. I really want to get a piece that... Uh, that you did. I want to get one of your an, an original piece, and I kind of sent her a couple pictures out of my sketchbook. I was like, "This is what I've been sketching lately." Do any of these catch your eye? And she's like, "I really like that one that says I'm okay." And I said, "Cool, let's let's do that. I think it would look better as a tattoo, being pink instead of yellow. That was the only change we made, but it was really cool and rewarding for me to have this this artwork that I created based entirely off of a, a feeling that I was having at the time." which was you know, probably coming from a, an area of, of stress or something where I put on a, a smile that I'm okay every day, but in reality I'm fucking screaming on the inside or something. Um, she related to that, to that feeling and she felt it in, in when she looked at that piece and she wanted it tattooed on her and that was, that was an awesome experience for me. Um, I'd like to do more abstract tattoos, mm -hmm. more of my own style. Oh, I yeah. just don't think there's a big... So you mentioned you, market you, for it. you do a lot of things like that and pen in your sketchbook and you like to do acrylic. What would you say is your favorite medium of art to work in ex besides tattooing? Oh, besides, I was going to say tattooing is definitely my favorite medium. There's nothing that compares to needles in the skin. It's so precise and satisfying. And I love the, the thought behind tattooing. But aside from tattooing, probably pen and ink. Pen and ink, I've... I really I kind of started adapting that style even in high school. I just would get these like gel pens, the you know different colored gel pens, and draw patterns and shapes. And it's just, I guess my my personal style has always been kind of abstract. But as an artist and as someone who's also kind of analytical at the same time as being creative, I wanted to. M push myself to learn other styles and adapt. Um, and tattooing is definitely being able to adapt to different situations, different skin types, you know, whatever, whatever. So I adapted and learned other styles. And in, in that, I found that black and gray realism was a lot of fun for me tattoo wise and kind of focused on that for, for tattooing, at least recently. My first six years, I did a lot of color and now here I am, you're seven, and I hardly do any color tattoos. Mm -hmm. What about you, Pat? What do you want to do tattoo-wise? Um, well, actually, that was a question that you and me had recently, or a conversation that you and me had recently at the shop that I thought was really interesting because I had been thinking about it a lot, and I wasn't sure exactly what to get into. And I noticed, again, from an apprentice's perspective, um, that a lot of the research I had done into a lot of other artists, plus artists I had just been following for a while in general, uh, they all kind of followed a specific style, you know? Uh, it's not that it, I didn't see artists who kind of expressed all different types of styles, but it was very, like, more common for me to see artists who had their own kind of niche 
Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that being said, I wasn't sure if you know I should have gone into this as more of a well-rounded artist who can do you know a jack of all trades essentially, or if I should also buckle down, pick a niche, and try to become as professional in that specific niche as possible. I've asked that question to a few different people, and I've gotten a few different answers. Um, and if any of our viewers have any suggestions, suggestions in regards to that, feel free to leave that in the comments section. I mean, it can definitely be a scary fucking thing, man, because one thing I've always been afraid of, especially when it comes to coming to uh, a certain style, is doing only that particular thing. So, for example, I'm getting pretty known for doing anime and video game related tattoos. But I feel like I would get tired of doing the same style mm-hmm. anime characters over and over. And it could be a bunch of different animes, but I'm essentially doing line work, you know, usually cell shading for doing very anime, Japanese, or manga style. So no blends or anything. But luckily, with my artistic style and the clientele that I develop, I'm able to put in my own flair. So I'll still do these anime s tattoos, but I'll have my own... I'll give them my own maybe like CGI effect or mm-hmm. I'll make them look, they'll have more blends and look a little bit more dimensional. I got you. So that's how I keep myself from getting into that point of just doing the same exact mm-hmm. style and type of yeah. tattoo every time. So yeah. I can definitely understand the stress of wanting to find a particular style or wanting to branch out and do a bunch of yeah. different styles. I think I think that's just a, a blessing in general of being able to be a tattoo artist is that we do get to explore different styles and tattoo different things from day to day. I mean, we can choose a specialty and focus on it and tell our clients, this is what I'd like to do all the time. But even still our clients, I know at least, you know, my clients, but I mean, most clients, um, for, they feel comfortable with an artist. They choose an artist. They're like, Oh, this is my artist. And I want him to do all my tattoos. I encourage people to go seek out other artists for their specific styles because they're going to do it better. Which but is something so taboo now when you mention that. What, what's that? So many people are are hell-bent on um, having the same artist. One artist. And even I was still firmly believe, maybe not not this day, not anymore, but when I first started, firmly believe that it should just be one artist. But I under, I've met the different type of clients who are collectors and people who do want just a specific artist for one reason or another. I think those people who just want one artist, I have a couple of clients like that who are like, no, you're going to do all of my tattoos. I don't care. And if you die, I'm not getting any more tattoos. I'm like, all right, that's fine. And, but it's, you know, they, they don't always want black or gray realism, which is what I like to do. It's my specialty. So, you know, sometimes I'm even asked to do things that I might be uncomfortable with as a tattooer. And I have to, you know, adapt my style or adapt to the style that they're that they're asking for, or something along those lines. And those were the fun challenges come in. You know, I feel like any any good tattoo artist likes to be challenged. I feel like that's part of the game. You know what I mean? If I, if you could call it that, is is challenging yourself and pushing your limits, seeing what you can and can't do. You know, mm-hmm. Pat, what has challenged you during your apprenticeship? What have there been any challenges? as far as drawing or barriers that you've uh, encountered trying different styles? I would say that the most immediate challenge that I've run into is, and this is a personal thing because, I mean, I come from a background that's pretty much only like illustration. So not only illustration, but that's what I've been doing the most recently and I'm most familiar with. So because of that, it's been not a challenge to adapt to it, but it's definitely a constant reminder to myself that I, 
I can't draw things too small sometimes. I, I can get really caught up in detail with work sometimes and uh, you know, not all types of tattoos are appropriate for that. So just constantly reminding myself to draw. Uh, for, for, for tattoos. Yeah, Drawing for tattoos, tattoos specifically. Yeah. Uh, just giving myself room when I'm doing a lot of designs. I can get carried away with a lot of small stuff, as I had mentioned. And sometimes I start big picture and I end up, you know, kind of not knowing when to end or not knowing when to make something a little bit, you know, large. Sim simpler. Simpler, yeah. That'd be the best way to put it. Uh, so that'd probably be the the most immediate that I can think of, and you know one of the one of the biggest I've been dealing with. Right. Well, you're coming from a graphic design background, and in graphic design on a computer, you can zoom in infinitely and create these tiniest details that will print and transfer onto paper seamlessly. But obviously, we as we know, and you'll learn yeah. working with skin. <clears throat> essentially, it's you know something similar to if there's any screen printers or anything listening. Uh, something that's called dot gain. You might be familiar if you've done any kind of printing mm -hmm. where when the ink is transferred onto the canvas, uh, it spreads out a little bit, 10, 20%. You might hear of a 20% dot gain. Uh, it's kind of the same thing in the skin. The ink over time will absorb into the skin the fat cells underneath. Well, hopefully not the fat cells underneath it. That's a blowout. <laughs> but it'll it'll absorb into the skin. That skin will regenerate and the ink will sl slowly disperse underneath it. Um, so yeah, when, you know, creating small details or when you have small details, you have to make sure that the overall piece is going to be large enough to include these small details so that the small details can become large enough in the overall piece. Keeping the topic on styles, uh, we recently, or I inspired recently, uh, the two apprentices, Zach and Patrick, to do a little tattoo fight club in the shop the other day. And the topics that they chose, they each chose one topic and combined them. Um, Zach chose a skull and Patrick chose beer. So uh, Zach had drawn a beer mug that was a skull. It was like a, a skull face on this like beer mug. New school yeah, style. New school style. And Patrick's drawing was more of a, I'd say more of like a traditional style, uh, almost American traditional style. Uh, you, you Grim can see Reaper my, holding a beer mug. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. You can see my post uh, of it on my Instagram, by the way, which has been changed to, this is my plug, which has been changed to, uh, from Pat Bosk to Patrick Tattoos. At, one word. at Patrick Tattoos yep. on yeah. Instagram. That comes before. I still it. think it should be Patty's Tatties. Patty's Tatties. Titty Tatty Pity Patties. There you go. Uh huh. But um, but yeah, you can check out the drawings from from that Tattoo Fight Club on Patrick's Instagram. <laughs> uh, Zach's Instagram is what? Zach Tattoos. What if I tattoos just, by Zach? What if I just only did SpongeBob tattoos and I could call myself Krabby Patty's Tatties? Do you know what I mean? Millions of dollars, right? Yeah. I don't know how big of a market there is for only SpongeBob tattoos. I would say that's a pretty sure that's one. a pretty niche market. I I don't think I've even done more than one SpongeBob tattoo in seven years. Pretty right. patties, pretty patties. Pretty patties. Like patties. the episode. There's two nasty, nasty patty. Ooh, <laughs> patty, you're dirty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so this tattoo fight club, uh, it was cool to see, you know, two very very different styles, especially coming from the same shop. There are two two apprentices. Working separately, they have their own separate apprenticeships at their own speed with, you know, their own goals, their own uh, different drawings that they're working on at different paces, whatnot. So when I 
put them head to head, it was really cool to see how different of a style they both were. And they both were very cool drawings that had uh, some strengths and weaknesses. And uh, myself and Brandon and Jessica were kind of the judges for the two apprentices. And we, you know, talked about it and, and it was really a, a good critique I think for them and for, for us, cause we, you know, as artists thought, Oh, what, what would we do? What would we do different for this? And it, uh, you know, it keeps us all fresh in the shop. So where do we go from here? Um, what would be the next, uh, bracket? Well, I guess. You said there was a, it was almost more like tournament style. So I think it was, you and I are supposed to go head to head on a new topic. Yeah. And, I think, I think now. we decided that Pat won, Pat won that tattoo fight club based on, the overall, I think, originality and uh, theme, or some of the other elements, design elements, the the composure, the of it. composition, yeah, the composition of it, and it was drawn very well for a tattoo. So Patrick won, and he's going to go up against Brandon next, and then uh, Jessica, myself, and Zach will be judging, and we'll keep that keep that bracket going, and we'll figure out who goes from there. Personally, yeah. I feel only God can judge, but I guess we'll allow Michael. To judge this round, I guess you're not too, you're not you're not Tupac, Patty. All right, <laughs> you can get judged. You, Mike, Michael, no one's Tupac. You can get you can get these hands too. Better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Anyway, Brandon, what's um, what's some styles that you haven't really dabbled with too much, or that you're not comfortable with? Why? And why? Why are you uncomfortable with certain styles? I've got, I'll talk about mine as well, but. Well, for sure, portraits. Like, I'm comfortable doing faces, but not like portraits of family members. Uh, probably not even famous people. Trying to capture that likeness for it to look like that person and for you to see them and instantly know who they are. So you're talking in a realistic sense, like realistic portraits, because you can do a portrait that's heavily reliant on line work as well, more of a traditional or neo-traditional mm -hmm. type of portrait. I'm not, I, th I think anything that requires me to make it look like a specific person, I'm not comfortable doing. Okay. Now, if it was a realistic looking face, but it was just a face, I'd give it a shot and I'd be pretty comfortable doing it and I feel like I could do a pretty good job at that. But you tattoo, so you tattoo and you can draw video game characters and anime characters, those are faces and you have to make them look like the specific characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, how, how do you think that you could apply that, uh, that style or that technique that you use for that? Do you think you could apply that to helping you mm -hmm. grow and, and drawing other faces? Well, I think what makes me more confident doing like a CGI style face or even a line work style face from an anime, video game, whatever it might be, is that that same artwork can be produced in many different styles and you'll see it in many different styles, but it'll still have like, I don't know, it's still easy to distinguish. And I guess you'll probably, still, now that I think about it, go right back to why don't you do that with realistic portraits? And I don't know, I guess I've, I've had this, this notion in my head that I wouldn't try a portrait until my fifth year of tattooing and I kind of want to stick true to that. Um, but yeah. They're yeah, kind of they're so kind of scary, man. I understand. So, like the you know the video game or anime characters, they have certain elements about them, mm -hmm. but they don't they doesn't have to be specific. As opposed to a human face, mm -hmm. which we know exactly what that looks like. That makes sense. Yeah. My weakness or the style that I really just can't get a grasp on is Japanese Japanese really? traditional. 
I've never really been strong in it. I haven't done a lot of pieces in Japanese traditional. I've tried to pass them off if I can. Um, dragons, koi fish. I mean, I've done plenty of kois, but like specifically dragons, cherry blossom trees, wind bars, waves. There's just something about that style. It's so specific. It has to have that um, the proper composition and it has to have a certain movement and flow to it that I just I can't grasp it for whatever reason. Yeah, Japanese style has a lot of rules and it's funny that you dislike it because it's actually one of my favorite styles to tattoo. Uh, when I, especially when I first started getting into tattooing, it a lot of, a lot of studying and you, you really have to with the Japanese style because one offset line on the head of a koi can make it look like something completely different. Look like a dick. Mm -hmm. It'll make it look, look like, like a penis. A, look <laughs> like a dick fish. Did you say exactly. a, lot of, a lot of Japanese traditional follows like patterns? Like you see a lot of patterns implied in the designs where it has to be a per perfect pattern or else it's off. Mm. How, how would you say that? Well, the scales on most koi and dragons, which are koi and dragon are related in mm. Japanese culture directly to each other. Um, they follow a pattern in a sense like the same, you try to get the same width between them, the same space between when they're overlapping each other. But when you draw these guiding lines, you draw them with the curve of the dragon or the koi, and then you fill it in in between that. And that's what helps you get that uniform look throughout it. And um, it still looked like it's moving with the fish and not just like a pattern thrown behind it. Mm -hmm. Tattooers in so. Japan, they apprentice for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. 10 years of apprenticeship, that's how long. In the industry in general, we consider 10 years to be, you know, kind of the, the milestone. We talked a little bit about that in the last episode. But in, in you Japan, you're not even allowed to tattoo for the first 10 years. You're just learning the craft for 10 years before if, you even touch skin. If given the opportunity... And everything's been taken care of for you. Pat, you got nine more years. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Master. Um, but if given the opportunity, would you either, and everything's been taken care of for you, would you move to Japan and learn a Japanese traditional, in a dojo, traditional style, all nine yards? I think it would be a great experience, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not, personally, I'm not too into Japanese culture myself. I wouldn't do a 10-year apprenticeship, but I would totally spend a solid year, if not longer, learning to do like Tabori, which is traditional hand-poked tattoos in Japan, and learning their art style. I would fucking be down for that. You really, you really get to air out your feet, no, you know, no socks and shoes for walking. That's how I like to roll, man. That's how I usually walk my dogs and shit. I mean, we're in Florida. No, That's pretty much everyone. No gloves, just... No, nah, come on. Going at it. <laughs> yeah, just going at it. Yeah, I just go onto the rose bush and I pick my needle out from the thorns and then I just, you know. There you go. Do they do that in Hawaii too at all? I make the ink with my blood. Oh, the Samoan style? I don't know, the traditional. Oh, the Polynesian, Polynesian tap? Polynesian, yeah. Or maybe yeah. like Bali, like Indonesia or some shit like that. I don't know how they do it there. I know in Polynesia, it's like one stick. Instead of being straight like the Tabori stick is, it's almost like a rake. So it's like at a 90 degree angle and then they have another stick where they just tap it onto it and then that's how they make. So they'll use mags, like, you know, straighter. They'll usually use straight mags and then they'll make lines like that, super straight Polynesian tribal lines. It's fucking beautiful, man. Mm -hmm. I would love to get, I would love to get tattooed traditionally from every culture at least once before I die. Getting back to styles, our styles, 
Um, we were talking about challenge, challenging styles for us. Pat, what style would you consider to be challenging for you to draw? Out of all the different styles that I've tried, I would say that things like uh, probably you know anything that has like hyper realism in it, uh, or surrealism, or uh, you know even realism, but like those three different types of. Uh, and, and the reason I mentioned those three specifically is because you know with all these three different types of realism, you have a lot of different types of uh, use of shading and lighting uh, and so on and so forth. And I that's definitely my kryptonite. So. If I were to make it like a layman's term, I'm not too good at gradients or finding where shadowing and lighting should be. I, well, I guess I'm not terrible at that ever since, you know, uh, the past few years of painting as much as I have been. But I guess when it comes to blending it, that's, that's where I find the challenge. And, you know, being a graphic designer specifically, as long as I have, I've uh, learned a lot in terms of color theory. So that hasn't been a challenge either. But... I've been trying to become more of a refined fine arts painter, uh, so I, I've been experimenting with different varieties of acrylic, and I'm trying to dabble more in oil paint. Um, I know that that's a major one, but I think we're all always trying to dabble yeah. into oil paint a little more. Right? Yeah, it's, it's such it's a really challenging media. It's such is. a challenging media. I, I tried it for the first time maybe a month ago, and I left my canvas with one layer of paint. And I came back three days later, like ready to paint on it some more. And I picked it up and I got paint all over my hands. I didn't use any medium to help it dry faster. I just wanted to see how long it took. It turns out oil paint on its own can never, take it weeks never dries. to dry. Oh. I will for sure be using liquid next time to help it dry much faster. That way it'll just take a few hours mm -hmm. instead of a few days. Have you guys ever painted with like liquid acrylic or ink? Mm -hmm. Has you ever painted with that before? Mm -hmm. And what are your thoughts on those? Um, I've used I've used in, I've used ink plenty of times. India ink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it can be challenging, but I've learned to it forces you to loosen up. It's really similar if, to watercolor. For me. It's similar to watercolor. Absolutely, it just forces you to be kind of light and painterly and get the essence of the painting and, and not focus so much on detail. I definitely don't try to be precise when I'm using inks like that, if I do, which I'm honestly not really a big fan of. I'm a real big fan of being precise and making strokes exactly where I want them to be. That's what I've been striving to do in my tattoo career as well. So, Well, I think we're uh, just about ready to wrap up episode two here. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. You guys have any uh, any shout-outs or any plugs you want to toss in there? Make sure to follow us at Homesick Tattoo FL. Uh, Tattoosday, hashtag Tattoosday. We'll be on YouTube, uh, on iTunes, and uh, my personal Instagram is Virgo Creative, at Virgo Creative, or www.virgocreative.me. Mine is uh, at Patrick Tattoos, all one word. And make sure to follow me at The Art of Silence with one period between each word. Yeah. The Art of Silence. Shh.